Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Got a question for you guys. How many of you would say that you're just happy all the time? Like, you're just happy, happy, happy all the time, never a bad day, just happy, happy, happy. Just raise your hand. Raise them high because I can't really see them. I'm not seeing very many hands go up. Oh, my goodness. Somebody shoot this man. Anyway, you know that, that uh, there are a lot of churches that if you, if you don't come in to church just saying that you're happy and everything's happy and you're all good and everything... Then, then you would be kind of an outcast. You would be scrutinized and even judged because Christians are supposed to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. I'm happy all the time. Since Jesus came into my life, I'm happy all the time. You know, that's, that's really not realistic. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He said, in this world you will have trouble. But then there's also something called joy. Did you know that you can, you can be unhappy and still be joyful? Because let me explain this. Happiness has to do with your circumstances. I, I actually did a little research on the word happy. It comes from a word, uh, literally hap. And um, it, it, it's a medieval term, it's Norwegian, I think it was also, you know, throughout Europe. It just, it meant good luck. It meant good fortune. And so if you wanted to, quote unquote, bless someone in a pagan way, you'd just say, hey man, good haps to you. Seriously, good haps. But, but to wish someone good haps is like saying good luck or, you know, good fortune. You know, we, we talk about someone being fortunate, it's all circumstantial. It's all based on circumstances and really fate. So good, good haps means may the fates be with you. It's kind of like the force, but, you know, a little different. But, but, but it was all based on circumstances and on luck, on fate. It's circumstantial. Joy, however, is a fruit of the Spirit. It's... The fruit doesn't mean like, you know, apples and oranges. It means the result of. Yeah, I really wish that, that Paul had said the results of the Spirit, and we had used that terminology because that's what that actually means. The results of the Spirit in your life, in your heart, is love, joy. It's listed second. Love, or love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the results of the Spirit's Spirits, not spirits, uh, the spirit being in you. Why should we be joyful? Because here's the, here's the thing, guys. There are many years in my Christian life that I, didn't, I had this Holy Spirit, but I didn't experience joy. Did you know that you have the capacity to squelch your joy? For years, I squelched my joy because I didn't believe I deserved it. I didn't believe I deserved joy. I hadn't been good enough. I hadn't performed well enough. I hadn't accomplished enough in my, in my Christian life. I hadn't been a good enough father, pastor, husband, 
son of, of, of the Father to, to actually allow myself to experience joy. So I just pushed that thing down. I felt like I had to earn it. I had to deserve it. And it led me to despair. I'm going to tell you something, guys. This morning, I'm not getting my way with a lot of things. If I had my way, it would still be 70 degrees for one thing. And it wouldn't be snowing the next couple of days. I'm glad Sharon DeKaiser's not here. She loves snow. We always have this debate. But anyway, but joy, you know, I, I'm so filled with joy because I know my father loves me. And it doesn't have anything to do with my performance. Nothing to do with my performance. He just loves me. He's crazy about me. And he's crazy about you too. But he really loves me. <laughs> And he really loves you, okay? So why should we be joyful? Well, let me just give you a few reasons, okay? By the way, the title of my sermon this morning is Give Thanks. And, and, and thanks is an outward expression of the joy that we should be experiencing. You know, Paul said, and we're going to look at this a little bit later, but Paul says rejoice always, and again I say Rejoice. He says, he says, let you know, uh, be joyful always, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Joy and thanksgiving. I think thanksgiving is just an outward expression of the joy that we, we have, not over our circumstances, but in spite of them. And so... Let's just look at a few things this morning that should give us joy and cause us to give thanks. First of all, David said this. David was the great psalmist. David was the great worshiper. David was the, the shepherd boy who watched sheep, which is really exciting. It's like watching paint dry. He watched his sheep. He played the guitar, and he made up a lot of songs about God. And he grew very close and intimate with God. And so one that knew God just about better than anyone else besides maybe Samuel at the time that he lived. Samuel was his mentor, but David knew God on his own. He had cultivated a relationship with God on his own. And he says this about the God he came to know. He challenges us, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It's true. He's good. He's really, really good. He, said, he didn't say, taste and see that the turkey is tender. Taste and see that the Lord is good. By the way, my turkey, our turkey was very, very tender this year. It was really good. But that's beside the point because we're to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, Job, one of, the, one of the saddest people, one of the people with the most problems, greatest losses, he lost, he lost everything. You know, Satan comes to God and he says, hey, you know this, this uh, human race that you started that was supposed to be so much greater than me, they're not doing so hot. If you look around, God, you made a mess when you made humans. You should have stopped with me. I was the great, you know, the great worship leader of heaven and then you decided to try this experiment to make human beings in your own image, and you really blew it. 
And God says, yeah, but have you considered my servant Job? Have you looked at Job? He loves me with all his heart. I would do, I would do this whole thing just for him. And Satan's like, of course he loves you. Of course he praises you. Of course he's sold out to you. You've given him everything that he could possibly want. You've given him children and, and donkeys and camels. His 401k is going out the roof. You know, his, he, he's got everything he needs. He's like, you take all that stuff away, he will curse you to your face. God said, no, I don't think so. He said, well, let's, let me try. And he said, okay. So Job lost everything except his health. He said, you can't touch his health. So Job comes back and he's like, well, he's done okay so far, but if you took his health away, he'd curse you to his face. He said, take his health. You can't take his life, but you can take his health. Job lost everything. His own wife said, curse God and die. That's her opinion of him. And so he's sitting in the ashes with, with um, dust on his head. He's scraping his sores with broken pottery because they're itching and they're irritating. And then he, these friends of his come around and they sit around him in a circle. And they don't say anything for a solid week. They just sit there. And then one after the other begin to tell Job, you know, you must have done something horribly wrong. You must have sinned for God to punish you like this. You really, why don't you just go ahead and fess up and tell us what you've done. You'll feel better if you'll just confess your sins because obviously the Lord's curse is upon you. And Job defended himself to them. And then he made a mistake in that he began to defend himself to God. He said, if I could just see you face to face, if we could just have a conversation, I would prove my innocence to you and I would show you that I'm not worthy of what I'm going through. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the voice of God thunders. Where were you, Job, when I created the universe? Where were you when I put the stars in place? Where were you? Where were you when I did this and did that? And Job puts his hand over his mouth and says, I was wrong. Now I know, God, that you are God. And I don't have to understand everything. And then he says this. God, by the way, restored everything that Job lost by twofold. He gave him twice what he lost. And then he did something else. He said to his, his comforters, quote unquote, He's like, if Job doesn't pray for you, I'm going to smite you. So he better pray for you, and you better repent. And so they repented. Job prayed for them, and everything was cool. But Job says this, Lord, now I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Now, thwarted is not a word that we use a lot. I don't sit in traffic and be, be like, Man, if it wasn't in this car in front of me thwarting my way, I'd be on time to my next meeting. I don't use that word. But I want to look just a moment at what this word means. No purpose of yours, Job said, can be thwarted. It can't be withheld. It can't be restrained. It can't be successfully opposed. It can't be hindered. It can't be changed or stopped or ruined. Your plans are unstoppable. They ultimately will not fail. Now listen to what I'm saying here. We have a God who is good, whose plans cannot fail. His plans ultimately for us cannot fail. 
My favorite scripture, and I believe I've changed my life verse to Romans 8.28. It really is my favorite scripture in all the Bible. And it's so powerful in, in its message to us. And I love the New American Standard version of this. It says this, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. There are other translations that say all things work together. No, God causes them to work together because he's good and he's sovereign and none of his plans will ultimately be thwarted. And he has nothing in mind for you and me but good. I know the plans for you, says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a hope and a future. Guys, that's, that's the God that we have. He, God is love. God is good. God's purposes and plans will not fail. If you love him, everything that happens in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the otherwise, are working for your good. And your ultimate good is to be conformed to the image of his son. The ultimate good is to be just like Jesus. That's where we're headed, folks. That's where we're headed. There's two scriptures. Wes quoted both of them this morning. I don't know if he intended to do this or not. I don't know if he knew what I was talking about. But in Ephesians 5.20, it says, Give thanks for all things. And in 1 Thessalonians 18, it says, give thanks in all things, in all things and for all things. Give thanks in all things. That means all circumstances. 2020 has really been a rough year. It's just been a rough year for so many people. Suicides are up. Drug use is up. Businesses shut down. People have lost their businesses. Small businesses have really taken it on the chin. Some of these businesses will never come back. COVID is getting worse, not better. The death rate's going down. But restrictions, masks, you know, uh, the way it's affecting so many things. Ohio State, I was looking forward to Ohio State yesterday. Couldn't even watch it. They canceled the game because somebody has the sniffles, you know. But, but it's just been a rough year. Riots, an election that we still don't know who won. Very frustrating. People are saying, I think, I think like three-quarters of Republicans and a third of the Democrats believe that the, the election was rigged. We don't know. We still don't know. It's just been a crazy year. It's just been a, you know... The, Thanksgiving, you're encouraged not to be with your family on Thanksgiving. Don't travel. Don't go anywhere. It's just been weird. And we're still supposed to give thanks in that. Yeah, believe it or not. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Be joyful always. You don't have to always be happy. But don't squelch the, the joy the Holy Spirit has put in your heart. Let that come forward. Pray continually. That's a big part of this. We have a God who loves us, who listens to us, who responds to us, who doesn't say no when we're praying according to his will. 
and says no when we're out of his will because like a good parent, he knows we're not supposed to have dessert before we eat our meal. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all things for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all things. Even 2020. Ephesians 5.20, give thanks for all things. Really? For all things? Give thanks for COVID-19? Give thanks for the struggles that I've gone through this year? Give thanks when I lost my business? Give thanks when, yeah, believe it or not. Because it means that we put our trust not in our circumstances, not in our finances, not in our business, not in the government, not in... Our, you know, even our health, we put our trust in the God who is good, in the God who is love, in the God who is sovereign, in the God who is causing all things, even the bad things, the, the ugly things, the, 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 the terrible things, the, the heartbreaking, heart-wrenching loss, losses of our lives. He's still working all of that for our good because he promises to. I, I looked on, uh, I don't have my phone with me, doggone it. I looked on the fridge. I think I can remember the quote. Deb put this up on our fridge. I, I just happened to notice it last night when I was having a bedtime snack just before I went to bed. I, looked, I was sitting there eating my toast, and I looked up at the fridge, and it says, we give thanks to God not for how we feel, but for who he is. Amen. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. She gets all the credit. I'm up here preaching. She, she still gets all the credit. No, I'm kidding. It was awesome. Thank you. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who's for us. I want to... I want to read, uh, I, I, let me just tell you one quick story. Um, one of the things I, I love about Thanksgiving and just being um, at Deb's mom's, unfortunately, Deb wasn't able to make it this time. She had a kidney infection, and they tested her for COVID, and she didn't get the results back till Friday, I think. So she couldn't be with us. She had to stay home, and... Uh, it's a good thing that she's, uh, she loves being by herself, but she, she was still heartbroken. She couldn't go. But um, Lin, Lindsay and I were there with Lindsay's first cousin who's a year younger. Uh, her name is Nikki. And uh, we just sat up and talked both nights. I, I got very little sleep. Um, we, we sat up till the wee hours just talking both nights. And, um, you know, they're, they're now 23 and 22, and they're, they're a ball of fun just to, to be with and talk with. And they're really serious. I mean, I was just telling them, you, you ladies are amazing at 23 and 22 that you're this serious about the Lord and you're, you're this serious about being in his will. And my, my niece Nikki is about to graduate from college. And she's, she's just saying, you know, to me, I just, I just want to make sure, I just want to know that I'm in God's will. I just want to know that when I graduate that I'm going to stay in God's will and I'm, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, where I'm going to go and and she's just like, I'm just, just desperately wanting to be in the center of God's will. What a wonderful thing. 
And I told her, I said, you can't screw this up. If you really care about God's will, he will not allow you to mess this up. You can't do it. I said, let me tell you a story. I said, I was about to graduate from college, but I was a lot closer than you are. It was literally the week before I graduated. The cl- my classes ended sometime that the week I'm talking about. It was, it was uh, towards the end of May. And uh, I had applied. I had felt called into ministry. I had applied to Asbury Seminary months before, and I still hadn't heard anything. And, and because I was going to seminary, and I assumed that you know, my letter of acceptance would come any time that, that I, you know, I was going to seminary, and it was... I, I skipped all the interviews on campus, and suddenly we're down to the last company that was doing interviews at the, at the end of the last week of school, and it was the last one. It was my last opportunity to go and, and interview for a job, and so Wednesday night, I decided I'm going to go into placement, off to, to placement office tomorrow, and I'm going to sign up for that last interview because obviously I'm not getting accepted to Asbury. And so that Thursday morning, I went and I signed my name on the sheet to interview with this company called Genesco that was headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. It was about two and a half hours from where I was living. And so, um, uh, so I signed up that morning. I get home. Uh, I, I lived with an elderly lady. I, I rented a room in the back of her home, and she became like a grandma to me. And when I got home, Miss Betts had, had a letter in her hand for me, and it was my letter of acceptance to Asbury. So now I had a problem. <laughs> I had a problem. I got my letter of acceptance. I have an interview tomorrow. And so, Lord, I'm like, oh, this is weird. You know, which do I do? Do I, do I go to the interview? Do I try to, you know, I was sick of school, guys. I crammed four years of school into five and a half years. And so I'm like, what do I do? I literally still have this horseshoe I found in her garage. I was out looking for hammer nails or something one day, and I found this old rusty horseshoe. And so I went out in the backyard that night, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, I'm going to throw this horseshoe up in the air, and if it lands this way, if it's pointing this way, I'm going to go to Asbury. If it's pointing this way, I'm going to go to the interview and go for the job because I'm sick of school. I'm sick of sitting in class. I've been doing this five and a half years. I want to be done. So, Lord, I'm going to throw this in the air one time, and when it lands, I'll do whatever, whichever direction you point it, and it landed like this. This is the same horseshoe. This is it right here. I kept this thing. Keep, keep it in my office up on my my uh, tr- uh, Sophie, trophy case, whatever, is pointing back at me. I'm like, that is real helpful, Lord. Thanks a lot. So the next day I decide I'm going to Asbury. I got my letter of acceptance. Obviously, I should go to seminary. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to go in the placement office, ladies, or la- the lady's office, and tell her that I'm going to I'm going to withdraw my name from that interview because you can only miss two interviews and you can't use the placement service anymore. And I wanted to have that option as I, you know, went on through the summer in case seminary didn't work out or whatever. So I went in to, to uh, cancel my interview and there was someone in her office and people just kept going in her office like faculty members. And all of a sudden I was like number three on the list and, or number four on the list, whatever, and, and so they, the guy came in. His name was Mr. DeGeorge. He was like two years older than me. He comes in and says, Mr. Haney, 
And I'm like, well, this is an opportunity for me to get some practice interviewing. <laughs> so I got up and followed him in the, the office where he was doing the interview. And uh, he started asking me a bunch of questions. And I had nothing to lose. So I was just like, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, I was just giving these answers. I didn't care, you know. And uh, at a certain point, I'm like, I'm getting tired of this. And I, I was like, look, let me, let me save you some time. I was like, I don't want to waste your time here. I said, there's, only, there's really only one thing that I'm interested in doing in your company. And that would be, and this was a shoe manufacturing company. I said, it would be like a personnel manager position. That's really all I'm interested in. If you don't have that, then I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in being a part of your company. He said, well, as a matter of fact, we do have one personnel manager job open in our company. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, so what would you do in this situation? And he just, so I was already pretty relaxed, so I just started giving him answers. And I honestly didn't care. And we got done, and he said, well, thanks, Mr. Haney. He said, uh, uh, I have your number, and if we're interested in you, I'll be in touch with you. And, and there were wadded up pieces of paper all over the floor where he just, you know, the person left, he just wadded up, threw it in the floor. And so I start walking out past these pieces of paper, and he's like, uh, Mr. Haney, we are interested in you. And I turned around, like, what? He's like, can you be in Nashville Monday morning? I was like, no, I'm graduating next week. <laughs> he said, okay, how about a week from Monday? I said, yeah, I can do that. So I graduated on Friday night, spent the weekend with my family, loaded my car with, you know, packed up, and, and uh, got, a, got a hotel in Nashville the night before, drove up, and I was completely alone. Like, like I, I drove from the hotel to, the, to the where, where the interview was going to be held just to make sure. I didn't have GPS or cell phone or anything back in the day, so I had to know where I was going in Nashville. And so I drove back, and, and I had still had two hours in the hotel alone. And so I got down on my knees, and I said, Look, Lord, if you want me to go to Asbury, I got this letter of acceptance. Let me bomb this interview. But if you want me to go to work... Let him offer me the job. So I go to the interview the next day. I meet Mr. DeGeorge in the lobby. He takes me up to John Little's office. John Little's like 6'6". He weighs about 260. He's sitting in this big, behind this big desk in this big office, and I feel like, you know, this little ant on the other side of the... And so he starts asking me questions, and I was not the confident Mr. Haney that I was in the initial interview. I was stammering and stuttering, and, and I don't know if I made sense at all. And I, I was like, okay, there, there it is. I'm going to Asbury because I know I just bombed this interview. He's like, Mr. Haney said, if you'll wait outside, I want you to talk to Tom Groom and Tom Ace, and uh, they'll interview you, and then, uh, so just go have a seat. <laughs> so I go out and sit down, and I look over, and the dude sitting beside me is my youth pastor from high school. I said, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm interviewing for a personnel manager job. How about you? I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, um, uh, I'm interviewing for a job too. I'm like, this is weird. So anyway, I talked with Tom Groom. I talked with Tom Ace, Tom Ace, who would eventually be my boss, said, hey, I'll give you a call in a couple days and uh, I'll let you know what we decided. Two days later, I get a call. I say, Neil, I'm, we're, we're going to hire you. And... Uh, your assignment will be Danville, Kentucky. Danville, Kentucky. You'll be the personnel manager in the shoe plant in Danville, Kentucky. So back in the day, like I said, we didn't have GPS, so we had, the, we had these big road atlases. You know what I'm talking about. Those, they're like this wide, and, you know, 
you're supposed to do this while you're driving, you know. Anyway, I go get my road atlas out of the car, and I open it up to, on this bottom half, there's Tennessee. On the top part, there's Kentucky. And I look up Danville, Kentucky on the map, and I finally find it. And it's this far on the map from Wilmore, Kentucky, where Asbury Seminary is located, 15 miles away. I'm like, what a coincidence. I could have been sent anywhere. I'm 15 miles from Asbury where I would have gone had I gone to seminary. My dad always said, never quit a job before the first year. So I stuck it out. But at the end of that first year, I was a miserable human being. I hated my job. I hated that plant. I hated going to work. I was lonely. And after about a I, I, was, I started in June. In July of that year, I was by myself one Friday night. I, I couldn't buy a date, man. It was like there's no women in Danville, Kentucky, as far as I knew, that weren't married. And so I'm, it's a Friday night. I only got three channels on my TV, and nothing was on. And I just I was so bored, and I was rummaging around looking for something to read and found a little pamphlet I had gotten when I decided that I was going to the ministry my pastor had given me. And it was called The Day in the Life of a Pastor. And I was so bored that I actually ended up reading that. And all of a sudden, my heart was on fire. This is what I want to do. And so two days later, I got in my car, my little Subaru, left an hour early, drove to Wilmore, 15 miles away, filled out another application, gave my $25 process fee, and and went back home. Two months later... I got my second letter of acceptance to Asbury Seminary. At the end of December, I went down to Nashville to stay with some friends for a couple days, and I made an appointment with my boss, Tom Asay, and I went to his home, and I said, Tom, the Lord has called me to ministry. I'm I'm leaving February 1st. Uh, January 31st will be my last day at the plant. I'm leaving and going back to, to school, going on to school. He said, thank God. He said, we're shutting the plant down at the end of January. I didn't know what I was going to do with you. But he says, thank thank God that he's got you. He was a Christian. He said, thank God he's got you, and uh, I don't have to worry about you. I packed up all my stuff in my Subaru (laughs) and drove the 15 miles from my apartment to to Asbury on the 1st of of February, 1983. And the rest is history. You can't screw this up. <laughs> and so I told my niece, I said, don't worry about it. God's got you if you really want to be in his will. But you know what? That year and a half at Asbury prepared me. It was part of my education because I knew what it meant to do the workaday world. I knew what people were going through out there in, you know, in the church body, the, the stuff that you go through on a daily basis. I was there for a year and a half. I got to watch that. I got to see that. I got to see the struggles and the problems and the family issues. I mean, I was the, the personnel manager is basically pastor of the plant. And I got to see firsthand what people went through on a day, day in and day out basis. And I got to go through that myself. Sometimes it wasn't very fun. But God was working. God was working. And so I could tell my niece on Wednesday night, you know what, or Thursday night, whenever it was, God's going to cause all things to work together for your good. If you love him, you're called according to his purpose, he's going to take care of you. 
And so we can give thanks in all things and for all things because God has got us. I would never want to go back through 2012 again. 2012 was a year of meltdown. It was a year of depression and anxiety. It was a year of, 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 of hellishness on earth. It was a year I thought that I'd lost my salvation. It was a year that I couldn't work. It was a year that I was hospitalized twice. It felt dark and, and hellish, like I said. Oftentimes it takes a little space to look back on our lives and see that we can be thankful for those times too. I wouldn't take a million dollars for having gone through that. Never want to go through it again, but it's served me well and it's changed my life. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.